Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast. Today, um, Melinda, myself, and we do have a guest that's going to join us today, uh, Alex Stefan from Stefan Town Planning in Brisbane. And um, just before we do that intro and get into that, Melinda's going to um, give us a bit of an update from some information that's come out lately. So just at the end of May, we get the latest CoreLogic Hedonic Home Value Index update, which reports on what's happening in markets across Australia. Now, the headlines again uh, showed housing values did edge lower in May. However, let's take a deep dive into that data because in Brisbane, dwelling prices we're down 0.1%. But when we break that down into the housing numbers, housing remained flat, 0% change. So no increase, no decrease in the median values across Brisbane for the month of May. Whereas units seem to be taking it a little bit harder, down 0.6% in the unit market. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, that market is also the market that's being impacted more through uh, because of vacancies in the high density space as well. But we're going to take a deep dive into that in our next market update. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I don't like to keep him waiting. I've got Alex Stefan here with us um, from Stefan Town Planning. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alex. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's fabulous. Alex, We um, a lot of people are probably wondering why we're interviewing a town planner um, as property investment professionals. Um, I obviously work uh, very closely with you when we're assessing sites for a home buyer or an investor um, and certainly for a developer because there's so many things from a town planning perspective that can influence um, a property buyer. So, you know, can you give us a rundown of your role as a town planner? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, as a town planner, we're almost the first in the door, last out and when it comes to any kind of property development or, or, or initial um, property investigation. So I my role as a town planner in development assessment and development consulting is checking a property to see, one, what the feasibility of it is, whether you could build a house, unit, subdivide, and then if you can, what the main issues are going to be. So whether or not we can get council approval, um, what the key issues could be, what costs you're looking at, what time frame, uh, likelihood of um, success, all of, all of those things is what we do in the town planning space. So we deal with you guys a lot, <laughs> which is great. Absolutely. And and I guess the the um, thing that a lot of people fail to do is get some town planning advice up front because, you know, if you don't know what you don't know, it can really land you um, with an expensive asset. Um, and I know that we've consulted on a number of properties where it's not possible, let alone feasible to do anything. So um, look, I guess from a home buyer's perspective or an investor's perspective, when you're looking at renovations and additions here in Brisbane, what are the main things that um, you need to be aware of? Yeah, the, the, there's a couple of main things. The obvious one, especially in Brisbane, is the traditional building character overlay or any kind of character or heritage building overlay. So um, there's a number of them. There's, we've got heritage, local and state, traditional building character, um, and pre-1911. There is an overlay called the dwelling house character overlay, but that un is an unfortunate name because it has nothing to do with character. Um, the main issue with those buildings is they're 
they're protected at the end of the day. The zone used to be called demolition control precincts. So, you know, that council want to make sure that whatever you're doing to those houses doesn't affect the original character of the building. Um, that can have huge impacts on what you want to do because you might see a house and go, that looks great. Let's put a garage on the front. Let's build out the side. Let's knock out that sunroom and put put in an ensuite or something like that. And all of that might not be possible depending on the age of the house and the overlays that it's in. Um, so, yeah, it can have a huge impact. Alex, we do get I mean, quite a bit, especially in Brisbane, we've, because we've got the Queenslanders, um, obviously myself coming from a building background, um, and I get a lot of people that, that come up to us and will talk to us about, oh, I'll just buy it and do a quick renovation. Um, it, it's it's a very common thing. People think they can just go and do a renovation, as you just mentioned, throw up a garage, put extend the deck on the, the front of the house or whatever it may be. Is that something that can be just done or what sort of things do they need to look for? Yeah, so there's a there's a fortunately a, a very long list of what they call prescribed accepted development, and that list is basically what you can do without council approval. So you, there's a bunch of stuff in there for demolition. There's a bunch of stuff in there for building work. So for instance, you can build a double carport as exempt development, so you don't need approval. But if you put a garage door on it, it's all of a sudden a garage and does need approval. So I would just jump online, go to the Brisbane City Council website and just type in prescribed accepted development and it'll come up with a full list of things you can do without council approval. The one asterisk on that is there's a lot of um, discussion about whether or not something's pre-1911. So it can be in the traditional building character overlay but still be built pre-1911, which means a lot of those exemptions don't apply. So there's just, you've got to be careful um, when, you, when you're jumping into those things and always speak to a town planner or someone who knows um, about character buildings in Brisbane. There's the gold there. So um, Alex has just told you exactly what you need to do to assess what the prescribed acceptable development is. So I hope you um, wrote that down and um, you've got that in your back pocket for when you're ready to move forward with a, a potential renovation. Um, Alex, Help me understand some of the biggest blunders that you've seen as a town planner um, when people buy Brisbane property. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make, especially when they're, they're coming to you and asking, you know, can they achieve a certain outcome? Um, I would say the by far the most common one is lawful points of discharge. So when you're doing a development, if your block slopes towards the um, back boundary or doesn't slope towards the street or stormwater infrastructure, as part of the infrastructure planning scheme policy, you need to, any water that lands on that property needs to land into some form of council infrastructure. So if to get to that infrastructure, you have to go through a neighboring property, then you have to put a pipe under their property, get their consent, um, you know, most likely pay them for the privilege. And if you can't get the consent, then your whole development will fall over. And that is one that we see almost daily people call us go look i've just put this property under contract can i do this and my answer is yes you can do that but you're going to have to get consent from the neighbor to put a pipe through and sometimes it's not it's not even achievable like you know you look at the neighbor's property and there's a shed and then a pool and then they're they've got a built a boundary garage and it's like well sorry there's absolutely no way that you can achieve what you want and, and like you said you've just got an expensive asset now so i hope it rents well so, okay, so if I jump back to what I asked a minute ago, if someone's just doing a basic renovation, does that actually imply into that or is it only if you 
um, you have to actually have a DA. What what actually triggers that? Yeah, it's not it's not just the DA that triggers that requirement. It's actually the secondary codes of the planning scheme. So when you're doing a development, depending on what level of development it is, you'll either you'll trigger a certain number of codes in the planning scheme. And when you do something like a multiple dwelling or dual occupancy or subdivision, it triggers all these secondary codes. So secondary codes are like stormwater codes, infrastructure codes, landscaping codes, things that aren't a requirement when you're just doing a house. So as soon as you trigger those codes, you all of a sudden have to comply with them or, you know, largely comply with them. And um, and that's when it triggers those requirements for discharge. So if you're just doing a house extension or a house reno or even a splitter, uh, you know, getting two titles and uh, two lots and separating them onto two different titles, none of that triggers those codes. Therefore, you don't have to address any of those issues. Not to say they won't be issues, but you don't have to address them to council, which is the uh, the main thing. <laughs> and just to help people understand, um, your definition of a splitter is different to the definition of an 810 square metre block that has the potential to be subdivided. Can you just explain the difference between those two? Because I know a lot of people use those two terms, um, you know, in, in the same sentence and mean the same thing. So can you just help listeners to explain the difference? Yeah. To be honest, I'm kind of the same. So if I see, so I call, so the, traditionally what a splitter is, is one of those old properties that has two titles. So it'll be 809 square meter lot or however big it is. And there's two allotments um, with a house sitting over both of them. So in theory, you can demolish the house and separate those two allotments onto two titles. And all of a sudden you have two titles and then you can build two houses. So that's what traditionally is called a splitter. Um, and then you've got a one into two lot subdivision, which is essentially the same, but you're actually subdividing the land. So you're splitting it down the middle, which is why, you know, the term is used pretty much for both of them. And I, I'm, I do the same thing. People call me and go, you know, I want to subdivide this property. And go, oh yeah, pretty straightforward splitter. And they go, oh, is it already two lots? I go, oh, hang on. No, 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 sorry. It's not two lots. We still need to lodge an application to subdivide it. So Yeah. Yeah, so the big difference being a splitter um, at the time of purchase already sits on two lots, so it does not require an application to council um, to uh, to build potentially two new, subject to all of the other provisions within the council code for demolition control, etc. But um, a one into two subdivision may be a same the same size block of land, however it only sits on one title and therefore an application or a development application to council is required to seek permission to subdivide that one lot into two lots. And that's where you're going to trigger the um, legal point of discharge provisions in relation to the stormwater runoff. Is that right? Yep. You should be a town planner. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, as you were saying that, I'm like, I was like, Melinda's got this. She's, I'm, if, she, if she needs a job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's our role as buyer's agent, as you know. It's um, assessing these sites on behalf of others and helping them understand the risk because, unfortunately, the biggest problem in property is what you don't know. And, you know, a lot of people um, do come to us and they, you know, it's one of the most popular types of properties here in Brisbane. It's those that you can split from one into two or subdivide from one into two and helping buyers understand the real risk associated with sloping blocks um, and whether 
you have the capacity to retain, build up and get that legal point of discharge is something that becomes critical for us to help educate them uh, through the process. And of course, we work with civil engineers as well to get professional um, advice in relation to that. So it's what you don't know that hurts you most when it comes to buying property, especially development. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and the one thing that you kind of just um, touched on is 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 having a team of people because you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I'm a town planner, so I, I don't know everything about civil engineering. I don't know anything about property investing or uh, what, what you both do. So it's all about building that team up. And, you know, when someone sends us a site, we have a look at it from a planning point of view. We go, look, these are the issues. These are the issues that can be raised under the planning scheme. But some of these might be able to be addressed by a civil engineer. So we deal with civil engineers, so we pass it off. And then, you know, building that team and, and getting everyone in the same conversation is really important to be successful in this property um, property game, especially in, in property development. So, yeah. And, and, and you, you guys do that very well, which is awesome. So with the, uh, let's call them splitters, Alex, um, I, I guess another thing that people aren't aware of or they need to know as well is the um, whether the house can actually be moved on the site to be on that separate lot or whether it can actually be removed completely. Yeah, and that comes down to that, that um, traditional building character overlay again, all those character overlays that we talked about earlier. So if you've got a property and it's two titles, it's a splitter, you're ready to go, but you've got to check and make sure whether or not that house can be demolished. And in council's eyes, narrowing a house is as bad as demolishing it. So a lot of the time you look at these houses, they're always nine to 11 meters wide is kind of how wide these those houses are. So, and they need to be eight meters wide um, to, to comply with the small lot code. And a lot of the time to make it eight meters wide, it's literally as easy as removing a sunroom and you just rip the sunroom off and, and all of a sudden the house fits on. So in theory, it sounds very easy and very doable. The house is still there, um, but under the codes of the planning scheme, narrowing a house is, is just as bad as demolishing the whole thing. So making sure that you can move it um, is very important. And the one thing that I'll touch on there is, there was a lot of people, and they're probably still doing it, um, moving these houses over on the one property. So it's a splitter, but it's two tar- two allotments, but it's still technically one property. Moving them over right on the boundary, and then doing a um, an an easement over the and saying that there's a boundary encroachment, and putting kind of air and space in easement around it. And council, well, council have refused applications on the basis that. The second property that's being affected by that boundary encroachment already has a house on it. So if you then apply to do another house on it, then it's a dual occupancy and it's unlikely to be approved. So I would just be cautious of one planning to do that because council know people do that and they're actively cracking down on it. And I would also be cautious of buying a property that look that where it looks like a house has been slid over just to make sure that you know you're not going to have issues when you go to lodge your application for your house. Very, very good tip for property buyers, right? Um, in that what you, you know what you just shared with us, and um, I think one thing that I'd like to add is another way to do to check whether the home can be removed is to check the aerial photography from 1946, and then if there is a home on the site, um, overlay that with that traditional building character overlay, and if both 
the house exists in that aerial photography in 1946 and that character overlay exists and you've got a house that potentially is protected from demolition um, and that does include partial demolition as Alex has just pointed out so that definitely uh, needs to be something that you can consider. Alex, if that particular type of property is a property that a home buyer typically would purchase, what sort of um, things would a home buyer need to be aware of that would trigger a DA if they are looking to renovate or is that list too exhaustive to discuss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, the list is is very long, um, but generally you can do quite a lot and and it's pretty easy to cover the main one. So you can build any, you can raise the building up to 9.5 meters um, without, and two stories without any approval. So that's one big thing. You can build it in within the property, um, the perimeter of the existing house with no approval. Um, you can do a carport that's maximum six meters wide or 50% of the width of the site, depend, uh, whichever's um, larger or smaller, sorry. Um, and then any building work behind the house is exempt even if it goes outside of you know to the side and then the last one is you can demolish anything rear of the highest and rearmost part of the roof which is usually you know the, the peak of the roof so you can kind of demolish half of the house going backwards um all of those things yeah <laughs> are very subjective and, and open to interpretation but generally you can do quite a lot so definitely best to get some town planning advice and and typically it it assumes that we are trying to prevent the um, street presence from changing. So we want the typical character homes to be what we see from the street and that's what, you know, Brisbane is is traditionally known for, the character homes and the Queenslander style of homes. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So what essentially what council's trying to protect is if you, they want it to be the same, that if you drove down that street in 1946, it essentially looks the same now. And not only the buildings, but the spacing between the buildings, you know, the general built form and scale of the buildings. So the materials, all of those things. And that kind of traditional streetscape can be ruined very quickly if, you know, council aren't protecting it and assessing these things. And you see it all the time. You go into suburbs where it'll be, you know, beautiful character house, Queenslander, workers cottage bungalow and then there's like this three-story monolithic structure that you're like how how did that where did that come from and that's what they're trying to stop happening so they want people to drive down the street and know that they're driving down a queen you know a traditional street so we talked to um alex we talked to you probably most weeks um, we always ask for advice um and we always recommend that people get that type of advice could you want to give your business a little bit of a plug, uh, name, and how do they get in contact if they need help? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, Alex Stefan. I'm from Stefan Town Planning. We've been operating for 12 years, and we're, we started in Logan, and now we're up in East Brisbane. Uh, we've got a team of five, about 30 years' worth of experience in our office, and we have been doing development consulting and development assessment, so lodging applications and doing this kind of work for, for 12 years. So, if you ever need any help, I would say before you make any purchase, the first thing you should do is give a town planner a call or pop through an email and we're happy to do that. So just chuck into Google, Stefan Town Planning, um, which is spelt S-T-E-F-F-A-N, so like the hairdresser with two Fs, um, or uh, and add me on LinkedIn. I like to rant on LinkedIn and I always talk about property and stupid and funny things that, <laughs> that happen in our world. So yeah, 
I think you add a lot of value on LinkedIn, actually, and I love your content. I love consuming your content because you really do educate your audience, which um, is what we like to see through that platform. Um, Alex, can I ask you, the last city plan change here in Brisbane was 2014. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. So we had the city, well, we had the planning scheme 1987, then the city plan 2000, and then the city plan 2014. Um, so nothing has majorly changed uh, since 2014, but Brisbane City Council make the most amendments to their planning scheme of any council. So I think we're up to Amendment 19, um, but that's not including minor amendments. So they're only major amendments. So to put it in perspective, between December last year and now, there's been four amendments to the scheme. <laughs> so so, so you've got to be on top of it, yeah. So just to help listeners that don't understand what that terminology actually is what is a city plan um can you just describe how the city plan is used to actually shape what a city looks like can you just give our listeners a little bit of an insight into that yeah wow this is going to test my (laughs) test my knowledge of the system uh but yeah generally i mean the the city plan in in brisbane it's just called the city plan it's it's more widely known as a planning scheme um and it, it essentially sets the rules and regulations um, for what the development of the city should look like. And it does that through a hierarchy of codes. So right at the top, you've got this strategic framework and the strategic intent. And that intent is really kind of broad outcomes that they're trying to achieve. So, you know, residential development is mostly infill or whatever it is. And then it goes down into, it then allocates those rules to different areas using zones, which is, you know, low density, low medium density, um, and then add things on top of that with um, overlays like traditional building character overlays and then more specific neighborhood precincts. So through neighborhood plans and local area plans. So if, you know, because you can imagine the people who live in Camp Hill have a, a different requirement in the low density zone to what people um, in Indrapilly would have. So they have these smaller plans and each of those zones and overlays and neighborhood plans all have a set of codes that relate to the specific land use that you're wanting to achieve. So it's a huge system. I mean, the Brisbane City Council planning scheme alone is, I think it's about seven and a half thousand pages long. So quite complex from what you're saying. (laughs) And one thing that um, I know through our assessments of properties, um, can buyers actually assume that, you know, based on a property that they're looking to buy, can they assume just because the property next door might be multi-unit dwellings or that the property next door might be townhouses, can they just assume that because they're next door that their property could achieve the same? Definitely not. (laughs) So, yeah, it's everything council say everything is assessed on its own individual merits which is how it should be done um just because they did it next door does not mean that you can do it it could be that the policies changed could be the codes have changed it could be a completely different zoned property you know you won't know until you really dig into it um and that's what we do we we look into it precedents can obviously help um but it just doesn't really it's not lawfully um it's not lawful precedence in town planning. So if council approves something at five stories next door when it should have been two, if you lodge an application for five stories on the basis that the neighbours did it, then council could knock you back without even blinking. They could go, well, no, it's meant to be two stories. We don't care about what we did next door. Um, so yeah, always check it. Yes, interesting. 
And and I think that what you've mentioned there about the the zoning, um, you know, as property buyers, what we look at when we're choosing locations to invest is not just what an area looks like right now, but what the intent of that area is based on the city plan and the town planning scheme so that we can see what an area is likely to look like 10 or 15 years from now, because from an investment perspective or even someone purchasing their own home, what you want to avoid is to be negatively impacted by, you know, potential future higher density development. And, you know, that's also what a city plan can help us to, to project forward and see what the city may look like in the future. Is that right? Yep, definitely. So there's a couple of layers of that. Um, the, the first one is is obviously the, the zoning of, of areas. And, you know, the, the perfect example is Cooparoo. Cooparoo was zoned for, for low medium to medium density development. Um, so, pe- but people didn't really know. And they were buying into this area thinking that they were going to live, um, you know, quiet in quiet neighborhoods. And then when people started doing, you know, the development that's intended for the area that's been zoned that way, um, there was a huge public backlash. And it actually ended up that, that they made such a fuss that council changed the zoning of the whole of Cooparoo just because of that that issue. So it went from LMR2, which is, you know, uh, unit zone to back down to character where you can't, you can only build houses. So you really want to make sure that one, you know, you could be buying into an area that has future development potential that no one's aware of yet. So you've got a winner there, but you also don't want to buy a property in that street if you're just wanting to build your family home. So yeah, consulting us, consulting um, you guys is, is very important for that process to make sure you're not buying a, a dud property yeah now you mentioned um overlays earlier um i think we could yep. either i was going to say we could do a whole podcast on overlays but uh it's probably a whole webinar on overlays <laughs> there are so many overlays and and we won't dive into it but when we when alex is talking about overlays there's things from um flood noise there's waterways um there's a whole range of overlays that need to be um to be looked at really when you start looking at those things yeah, it's it. I mean, it's insane how many overlays there are in some councils. Like Brisbane, it's so overwhelming. If you had no, if you had no idea and you looked at a property and you saw that it had twenty overlays, you'd be like, "Oh, well, this is a nightmare. I'll find a different property." But most of those overlays don't mean anything at all. So, obviously, you know, you guys know the the key ones. You know, flooding, character, waterways. Um, but you know, there's more obscure ones too. Um, that that can can heavily impact on the development potential of a site that you just want to make sure you're looking at. Yeah, well, bushfire, I mean, Brisbane City Council recently pushed that, you know, there's Brisbane City Council bushfire hazard overlays, and now they've pushed a lot of their um, bushfire overlays back onto the state government. So you actually now need to look at both local council and the state government mapping um, for bushfire in Brisbane. So there's a lot of these intricacies that can really, really stuff up a project um, if you're not aware of them. And like I said, you don't know what you don't know. So you may as well try to get as much information as you can before you make a life-changing decision. Absolutely. I, Alex, you probably um, really surprised a lot of people with uh, a lot of information that property buyers typically would just not even think to, to look at. I know a lot of people that we talk to before they come on board with us, um, the first place that they start when they're looking to buy a property is realestate.com. And Unfortunately, the real estate sales advertisement um, for the property mentions nothing about all of these hidden things that um, 
quite often property buyers need to be aware of because they're all relevant, but they're just invisible. And something that we always talk about is, you know, part of our role is making the invisible visible so that you know everything that you are buying because it's not just about the block of dirt and the property that sits on top, but it's actually about the potential in the land and the impacts over that land and how that can influence you as a property buyer positively or negatively in the future. So to help people understand when the best time to contact you would be, obviously, if they're working through a buyer's agent, I would assume that a good buyer's agent will already be assessing uh, most of these implications for on their behalf. But if people are doing it on their own, when is the best time to have a chat to you? Is it when they've entered a contract? Is it before they've started negotiation? What, what would you provide um, as advice to potential buyers? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, I'd love to tell everyone that whenever you look at a property, you should be calling a town planner, but <laughs> I don't think I'd have time to do anything else other than take those calls. So what we tell our clients is if you've got a property, you know, you've investigated it yourself and we have online um, learning tools that can help them do that. And if they, it stacks up for them. So they, you know, they look at it, they do their numbers, they've got their finance and they think, you know, this is going to be the one that I'm going to make an offer on on Friday, for instance, then that's when you should call us straight away. So don't make the offer yet. Just everything lines up, it's ready to go, call us and we can just give it the once over just for that peace of mind. And and if it's there's something that we're unsure of in there or needs further investigation, then we can let you know and we can do things like pre-lodgement meetings with council or talk to engineers talk to hydraulic engineers, talk to noise consultants, whoever we need to, to make sure that if you're buying the property, you're making the best choice that you can with the information. Yeah. It's look, I think it's really good advice. Um, the biggest thing I can probably tap onto this when we sort of wrap this chat up today and it's, I've loved it. It's been interesting again, Alex chatting to you. Um, but investing into property is a huge investment. You don't want to make mistakes. So the biggest advice we can probably say is just ask. Get some help, ask someone, ask the questions, whether it's us here at Streamline or whether it's Alex or another town planner or someone, ask, get the advice so that the investment is a really good, strong investment. So um, look, I'll I'll say thanks. I'll let Melinda probably say thanks at the end and wrap things up. But um, look, it's been really good chatting today. Hope everyone else has enjoyed it. So um, thanks very much for coming in, Alex. And um, from me, thanks very much and take care and bye for now. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome, Alex. It's been a pleasure to chat to you today. I hope that um, for those who have tuned in, you've really enjoyed finding out more about how a town planner can assist you on your property buying journey. Um, we look forward to chatting again soon. If you do have any questions, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out to us um, at the Brisbane Property Podcast. You can email in info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. We'd love for you to leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks so much for your time and we'll chat again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.